game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. It's Wednesday, February 26, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langmore, PA, and all state insurance of Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Flyers are on fire. They've now won 13 of their last 18 games. The Sixers have won five of their last six, but are now without Ben Simmons for a few weeks. The Phillies are getting to the end of the first week of spring training, and they have high hopes. The NFL has a new schedule planned for 2021, 17 regular season games, seven teams in the playoffs, and just one team with a bye. That's going to be interesting if it passes. Your Penn State Nittany Lion basketball team was ranked number nine, now 16, and showing some cracks having lost back-to-back Big Ten games. That's a big turnaround. And uh, we've got random Q2 tonight as well. And Oh, yeah, there's the Fanatic as well. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to our thoughts on the Fanatic's new look at some point. But the big story, though, you mentioned the Flyers. As indicated, you know they're playing some great hockey right now. Their scoring's up, the goaltending's been solid, and they're within three points of first place in the Metropolitan Division, I believe. They just may be the best pro team in Philly, Bill, and who saw that coming this year? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Elaine Vigneault, uh, hats off so far to what he's been uh, been able to do with his team, and uh, they are hot at the right time, and, uh, you know, the games in hand make the schedule a little bit funny, you know, the standings yeah. look a little bit funny. Uh, they're not quite as close as it looks like they are, but they are getting a little separation from behind them, which gets them in the playoffs, and that's where you have to be. Yeah, but still not a whole lot because the East has been so good this year. They're still only, I think, yeah. like five points out of missing the playoffs. So if they go into a little slump here, you know, they could miss the playoffs. But I don't see that happening. They're playing too well right now, and I think uh, they have their eyes on the prize. And who knows? They could be, you know, last year's Blues. They could be this year's Blues. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they, they made a few tweaks at the uh, – at the trade deadline, which was good, and uh, they they added some grit and some veterans and, and some of those young guys who have been getting some experience and playing well. And you know, playoff hockey in, in the National Hockey League is a whole different beast. So, uh, you know, adding some veterans to the to the group is certainly good. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Then, of course, there are the Sixers, but boy, we have to talk about them, and we will later. Fred Hugo is going to join us. Fred's a big Sixers guy, gets down to a lot of the games, but. You don't know what to make about them anymore. Sometimes they look great. Sometimes Joel Embiid looks great and focused and all that. And other times you just don't know. Now they got the Simmons injury, so I don't know about those guys. Yeah. Well, hey, what about your Nittany Lions? As I said, they reached number nine. They're now number 16. They've lost back-to-back games to Illinois and Indiana. Certainly a reality check for those guys. Yeah, and the road doesn't get any easier for the Nittany Lions. A couple of big regular season games left. They host Rutgers tonight. They are favored by six. Rutgers isn't great on the road. But uh, we'll see. The Big Ten tournament, of course, coming up, leading up to the Big Dan. Still plenty of challenges ahead for Pat Chambers' team, but I certainly wish them well. Yeah, me too. And, uh, hey, the Phillies, as we said, high hopes, as, as everyone has uh, at this time during spring training. But there are a lot of question marks uh, Jet, that's for sure, and uh, we're going to get the inside scoop from Inquire.com Philly Commons, Bob Brookover. Let's talk Phillies baseball. We have Bob Brookover with us tonight, back uh, fresh back from spring training. I bet he probably wishes he was still down there. Bob, welcome back. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, Bob. Great. 
Bob, this is a great time of year for baseball fans, the cheating mess notwithstanding. We'll get to that later. You were down in Clearwater last week, as Bill mentioned. What is the mood now that the Phils have a new manager and some other new faces? Well, the mood, the mood always is good in spring training. I mean, everybody starts zero and zero and yeah. a fresh start. But there, there's, a, there's a sense of optimism, I think. You know, it's, it's weird, but there was certainly a sense of optimism last year, especially after they signed Bryce Harper. You know, there was baseball was really uh, at the forefront in Philadelphia at that point. Didn't end up the way people had thought. But I, I think there was actually more excitement about the team last year after they started signed Harper than there was oh, at the yeah. start of spring training this year because, you know, this year the the big addition was Zach Wheeler and D.D. Gregorius, but maybe even bigger is the, the manager, Joe Girardi. I think the Phillies look at it maybe that way a little bit, that this is the guy who <clears throat> can really be a difference maker for us. But it's hard to sell that to the fan base. Well, and, and you know, it was interesting. Uh, I don't know if you were traveling or what, Bob, when this article came out with uh, – Aaron Nola talking a little bit about the pitching coach situation and certainly likes more what he has now than what he had uh, last year. To me, that's huge. That may be the biggest uh, offseason acquisition of everything. Right, yeah. I, I think, you know, I had a talk with uh, John Middleton a little bit. We were just talking one day, and he, he said, you know, I don't know if, the, if Joe Girardi alone can add five wins. He goes, I don't know how, you know, how that works, and nobody really does. He said, but I think with Girardi and Brian Price and, and Kevin Dillon, that those three changes together might be worth five wins where, you you know, you have a new hitting instructor, a new way of – a new pitching coach. And, and Nola – Scott Lauber wrote that story for the Inquirer on Nola. Um, and he – you know, his his uh, take on things, you know, he, he's obviously very happy that he's got a different pitching coach. It's his fourth pitching coach in four years. But, you know, he likes the more traditional pitching coach. He, when things aren't going well, he wants the guy to be able to sit down with a guy one-on-one. He doesn't necessarily want him to say, hey, we've got to throw this spot or the, the analytics say this. He wants to be able to sit with the pitching coach and say, hey, what are you seeing? And, you know, go from there when he's, when he's trying to break down things if they're not going well. Well, speaking of pitching, Bob, yeah, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler should hopefully have good years at the top of the rotation, but it seems like the Phils are still pinning hopes on guys like Zach Eflin, Nick Pavetta, maybe Vince Velasquez, not to mention an aging Jake Arrieta. Did management err by not going after another new starter beyond Wheeler? I thought they should have because I thought that there was enough of them out there. Uh, Ryu, I liked Ryu from the Dodgers. Now, he got a four-year deal, uh, and he's obviously had some injury problems over the course of his career i just think that lefty look not having that lefty either um they still have that hanging over them um i I felt like they should have Turan maybe from the braves was out there i thought like he was enough of an upgrade over uh pavetta or uh velasquez if you're gonna you know and and even an eflin so if you put him at your four instead of one of those other three guys now you let those other three guys fight for five I think that makes you even better. Arietti, you have no choice. You're paying him $20, $20 million, $20 million something, 20-plus million. Yeah. Uh, you got you to see, see what he does. Um, you know, if he's right, he, I mean, I give him credit because he pitched, with, he pitched in a lot of pain last year, and he pitched without, without all his pitches, um, you know, and then had to have the bone chip removed in the offseason or it was, was removed before the end of the season, but had, had to have surgery. And if that if he's 
you know, feeling better and at his, you know, maybe not his Cy Young self, but if he can be, he's had spurts in his career in Philly, you know, where he's gone like two months and been really good. If he could do that for four, four, four or five out of six months, you know, just be very good or just above average, um, that gives the Phillies a formidable rotation if Wheeler and, and Noah are what they think they are. Well, I think, Bob, to me, the key to this team, uh, obviously, is pitching, but uh, from the everyday player's standpoint, is Reese Hoskins. They, he's got to get on track. He's got to be what we think he can be. And sitting beside, behind Harper, um, he should be able to put up huge numbers, and we certainly didn't see that from him last year. No, you, you saw it for a half. I mean, for up to the All-Star break, he was he was pretty good. He was driving and runs. He was among the top ten, I think, in RBIs and home runs through the first half of the season. And he just fell off a cliff in the second half, and he could not he could not get back on track. Um, and you know, it, it is. It's, you're, you're right. It's really important because I think now you've added Didi Gregorius to this lineup too. And I don't think we saw the best of Gene Segura at the, Segura at the plate last year either. And now if you think Scott Kingery is going to be a better offensive player as a second baseman, uh, and, you know, they lost Andrew McCutcheon, if you can get all those pieces back, you know, and, and align with J.T. Ramuto, and now you have Reese Hoskins being what Reese Hoskins was in the first half of last season, and for much of his, the season before that, I think he had 31 home runs. Two seasons ago, if you can get Reese Hoskins hitting 31 to 35 home runs, that's going to be a pretty pretty tough lineup. A pretty there's going to be a lot of pick your poison in that lineup. So, Bob, you mentioned these guys, Kingery and Segura. Looks like they're going to go with Kingery at second, Segura at third. At least if the first week of the spring training games are any indication, any chance Alec Bohm makes the opening day roster? Or are they just going to wait till June to bring him up, no matter what? Well, I don't think you're going to bring him up no matter what. I think you're going to say, keep keep doing what you've been doing, kid, and prove that you belong here. Right, right. Uh, you know, he's going to have to. He's, 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 you know, he's got to go prove himself at AAA. He hasn't done that yet. Uh, but if you know, yeah, I mean, if, if that problem presents itself, it's a good problem for the Phillies, <clears throat> especially if if Segura is playing well, is hitting well, and Kingery is hitting well. Now. If that all happens and Bohm's lighting it up, he's not gonna he's not gonna make this team out of spring training. I can tell you that. Okay. Um, but if if he comes up, if if he's killing it at AAA, and they say, hey, we got to find a spot for him up here, um, then it becomes an interesting dilemma, you know. And I you know I wouldn't say don't rule him out of first base either because he can play. You know, his two positions that he plays are third base and first base that he's played in the minor league so far. So, I mean, we were just talking about Reese Hoskins. Reese has to prove himself, too. If Reese's second half, first half starts the way his second half ended, and Al Boom's ripping it up, I would not be shocked if he ended up being the first baseman. That would be, that'd be really interesting. Well, you know, well, I mean, we, it's, it's something to think about for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we finally cut ties right or wrong with Mikel Franco. I think he probably needed a fresh start, but. Uh, you know, over his years here, he did hit 100 home runs. He, he averaged 20, 25 home runs a year. Um, we don't seem to have anybody to replace that power. Um, how are we going to be able to handle that part? Well, I mean, that's in the in the perfect world. Alex Bohm does come up in the, in the midseason, and the other guys are playing well. 
you know, there, there's a bunch of different scenarios there. So what happens, you know, you got Hazley and Quinn. Well, it looks like more Hazley than Quinn right now, but those two are going to be uh, manning center field between them. Um, you know, do you, if you have to bring Bohm up, you, move, you know, you can move Kingery to center field too if you have to move Zagora to second base. There's a bunch of different things you can do here. Um, and, and But this is to your point that they need to replace some of that power they lost with Franco. I think Bohm's going to be more of a power hitter than, than Mike Franco ever was. I could be wrong, but I just, you know, I think that he's just a more powerful, uh, if you just look at how long, and it's the perfect home run hitting body where Franco could hit home runs, but I don't think he was ever a pure home run hitter. Uh, so, so you hope for that from Bowman, and then you get what you got from Hoskins. You know, uh, Kingery hit 19 home runs last year. And the, the other guy, and, and Dede Gregorius, I think his career high in home runs is 26. So, I mean, at least on paper, home runs and replacing the home runs hit by Mike Franco should not be a problem. Bob, when you mentioned Roman Quinn, you forgot to use the required phrase, if he stays healthy, because that's the case every year, you know. <laughs> Always gets hurt. Well, I had a, I had a long talk yeah. I had a long talk with Roman the other day, uh, and he's, you know, very under the radar as the Phillies have a new trainer this year. They got rid of Scott Sheridan the yeah. end of last year, and they they felt like they had way too many soft tissue injuries, of which Roman had two. He pulled his groin twice, and it cost him, uh, I don't know the exact number of games, more than half the season because, he, because of that injury. And he's really dedicated himself. He went to a new training place near his home in Port St. Joe, Florida. Uh, he's been in contact with a new trainer, with the strength and conditioning coach, Paul Fournier. He, so he's really, really uh, they're down on trying to prevent those kinds of things. We'll see if he can do it. You know, if, and he's had to share of these, too, where you get hit in the wrist by a pitch and you break your wrist. There's nothing you can do about that, but he's hoping that he could at least uh, minimize the soft tissue issues. Bob, we got to talk about the, uh, the hey. Astros and the cheating scandal. Um, I know they're going to take some abuse on the road this year. What's it going to be like for the Astros? And, you know, what are your thoughts about how Major League Baseball handled it? Did, did they do enough or did they really underachieve in, in terms of the punishment? Well, I, you know, I wrote the, the very first day that the punishments came out. And, you know, they were severe punishments. There was a heavy fine. Um, you know, you suspended the manager and the general manager. In turn, the, the owner, Jim Crane, fired both the manager and general managers. So they, those were heavy fine or heavy penalties. But I wrote that day. I didn't think it was enough because the players were basically at the forefront of this, uh, you know, executing it. And I felt like what they should have done is strip them of that World Series title. And a lot of people say, oh, you can't set that precedent. And, you know, they've done it in the NCAA. I don't know why you can't do it here. You know, obviously, when everybody remembers the 2017 season, they're going to remember it as the Astros being a champion. They're also going to remember them as cheaters now. But I think it really hurts inside when you you tell that team, you know what, you can't fly your 2017 World Series championship in your in your building uh, in your in your home, on your home field, and especially hurt the Astros because that's the only one they have in their history of their franchise. 
You know, tell them they can't do that. You know, you want to keep your World Series rings or do whatever you want with your World Series rings. That's fine. But, you know, you can't if you can't have that banner up in your stadium, that hurts a lot. And I I think they earned the, the right to – I don't know if that's the right way to put it. They earned, they earned feeling bad in them not being able to see that banner. Oh, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, it, it's amazing to me – uh, you know, how many people had to be involved in that or at least know about it and that even within their own dugout that, that somebody didn't say, you know what, this just has to stop. Yeah, I mean, I guess the manager did a couple times, but he didn't take it far enough. You know, Yeah, he didn't he, man he just, up. <laughs> he, he, in my he, mind. And he, he didn't, he didn't. And, you know, I, I, I do give him credit for after the fact, he admitted that he didn't man up. You know, he he he. He, he admitted that he was wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Bob, uh, before we get finished here, the, you know, the Phils have made some improvements. I'm not sure they made enough. The Braves certainly have made more improvements. The Mets look good. Um, they, where are we going to be able to finish this thing out? Are we going to have a chance to actually make a make a summer run or have some fun? Yeah, I think they're going to be a good team. Uh, are they going to be good enough is the question. I, you know, they were 81 and 81. I think they're, I think they're better than that. Um, you know, if they improve by that five games that, that John Middleton's talking about, they're, they're an 86-win team. Is that enough to get you in postseason? Probably not. Um, now, can they find, you know, if you stay healthier than you did a year ago, will that give you another three wins? Maybe now you get to 89 wins. You know, I, I, I see that being a possibility for sure that, you know, that it could be an 86-89 to 89 win team. Uh, and then, then the question is: It enough? And is the question: Have you done enough, which you just alluded to, to, to get by the Mets, Nationals, and Braves, all of whom finished ahead of you last year? It's a brutal division. You know, maybe the two best things that happened to the, maybe the three best things that happened is they took Wheeler away from the Mets that week in their staff a little bit, and then Rendon leaves the Nationals, and he was arguably the best player. I'd, I'd say he was their best player. And the Braves lose Josh Donaldson. Um, of, of those three, I think the Braves are the best equipped to replace uh, the player they lost uh, because they have some options at third base with Camargo and Austin Riley. Um, but it's a it's a brutal division, and 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 they get, they get to see if they can do something they couldn't do last year right out of shoot. See if they can beat the Marlins, who are actually better this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that. Ultimately, really cost them a lot last year. The three other teams that finished ahead of them destroyed the Marlins all year, and the Phillies struggled to beat them all year. Absolutely. It's going to be weird to see Cole Hamels pitching for the Braves, too. Anyway, final question, Bob. I need to ask about the week's other big topic. We don't necessarily need to discuss the lawsuit, but what did you think of the Philly Fanatics' new look? Um, it, it's, it's definitely different. You know, what dawned on me the first time I saw it on Sunday was, you know, he's, he, those colors that he has now would fit into Miami. Like, they're a little lighter and yeah, a little, yeah. you know, the powder blue. I said, those are very Miami-ish colors. But I, I will say this. It, it all made me go talk to – I went and talked to Phil Gosselin, who's a Westchester guy, uh, went to Malvern Prep. And it, it made me do some research, and we, we talked about – I said, well, did you ever have a – did you ever have a – Philly fanatic encounter when you were a kid growing up in the area. He goes, 
I never met him, but he gets, said when my mom was pregnant with me, the Philly fanatic came up and rubbed her belly. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, that's, I said, you had, you did have an encounter with him before you were even born. Not many people can say that. And then you came, went on to become a Philly. And then it made me look up how many Phillies have there been named Phil in the history of the franchise. And I found out that there have been 10 Phillies named Phil in the history of the franchise. <laughs> so the fanatic thing took me to a whole place I never expected to go. <laughs> Besides Phil Gosselin, who's well, the most famous Phil? The most famous Phil, the one, well, the most recent one was Phil Klein. So he had one year. There, there really weren't a lot of famous Phils. Um, Wasn't there Phil Linz back in the day when the, I was a kid? Phil Linz was in the 60s, yes. He, he played in the 60s. He wasn't very good. Hmm. Uh, there wasn't – maybe the best one might have been Phil Bradley, who was a pretty good player who they traded. I yeah. think they mm-hmm. traded Glenn, Glenn, Wilson, Glenn Wilson to get Phil Bradley, That's but he right. only spent a year here. My favorite was a guy named uh, Phil Phil Lefty, Phil Lefty Weiner. He pitched in the 20s, I think. <laughs> and he was a Philadelphia guy, and he's – it, and as I was looking him up, I found out he was buried in Cinnamons in New Jersey, the same cemetery where my father's buried. So I, I got that out. I got way more information on Phil's and Philly <laughs> fanatics than I ever anticipated in my life. You have too much time so, on your uh, hands, Bob. Way, 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 way too much time. <laughs> well, Bob, hey, we appreciate you taking time to join us and uh, hoping for a good Philly season and certainly keep up the good work. We enjoy uh, your writings. All right, guys. Take care. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Bob. All right. Thanks. About this time every week, we talk about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. And this is a special week for them. Seven years ago, they moved to their fancy new location from a spot around the corner in Pendell that had more of a, well, dive bar feel to it. It was fun. Don't get me wrong. I went there many times with friends and always enjoyed it. But the new location, can we still call it new after seven years? is awesome. As I said in a post on the Irish Rover's Facebook page, it's a bigger, better, bolder, brighter, brassier Rover. And these days, they have a terrific menu and always loads of specials, plus 24 beers on tap. Live bands on Saturdays this weekend. The band Bases Loaded is there. And next month, get ready, St. Patrick's Day arrives, and you know the Irish Rover on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne is the place to be. Check their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> there you have it. Well, I'm ready too, Chad. It's time for week three of Random Q2. Tell the listeners how it works and let's do it. All righty, Bill. Year four of Random Q2. Can you believe it? As was the case in previous years, Random Q2 is a little 10-week series here. We're over two minutes, maybe three minutes if we uh, get bogged down each week. I'll hit Bill with two questions. One about a sports topic, something timely usually, while the second question will be one of ten random questions that have already been written down about whatever. Bill will pick a number from one to ten each week for that second question. That's all there is to it. So here we go. The week's first question, Bill, the NFL is talking about moving to a 17-game regular season and adding another wild card team with just one team in each conference getting the first round by. Sum up your thoughts in 30 seconds or so. Well, in 30 seconds or so, I think we're going to talk about it in a little bit more detail in a little bit, but uh, I, on the surface, I am not in favor of it. I am in favor of less preseason games. Uh, the part I'm not in favor of is more playoff teams. 
Yeah, I have mixed emotions about it as well, and I'm not sure which way I'm leaning. Probably against it, but we'll talk about that later, as you said, because there's a lot to discuss and a lot involved. But your second question, Bill, as in past years, pick a number, any number, 1 through 10, excluding 1 and 5, because you've already used those up. Uh, Let's go with number 8. Number 8. Ah, good one. Bill, have you been to all four major halls of fame, or which ones are you still hoping to get to? You know, believe it or not, Chad, I have not. Uh, I have not been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What? And uh, No, I've never been. Um, and actually just talked with a couple buddies about two weeks ago about setting up a, a little road trip to go out to Canton uh, to check that out. I've been to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Because uh, I was driving by it on a business trip, I've been to Cooperstown a bunch of times. Never been to the Hockey Hall of Fame, but uh, I'm sure that would be fun too. But uh, Football huh. Hall of Fame is in my sights, and that's the only one that I've been to. When Brian Dawkins went in two years ago, uh, I have to get to the Baseball Hall of Fame, of course. Got to get to Cooperstown, and that's oh, probably going to happen in the next amazing. couple of years. Yeah, I'll be I'll be there within the next three years. I promise you. All right, good stuff, Bill. It is, uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. You would certainly enjoy that. You know it. Well, hey, we're going to talk uh, a little Sixers, as we said, with Fred Hugo. He'll be joining us here in just a minute, uh, our resident expert. Fred does a breakdown every game of uh, Freddie's five. I think he's what he calls it exactly. And uh, he does a good job paying attention to what's going on with the Sixers. And uh, we'll get some good insight from him because – He's a passionate Sixers fan, Jack. Yeah, he really is. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about Ben and Joel and all of that stuff. And while we wait for Fred to join us, let me take a moment to, again, encourage our listeners to spread the word for us. We have, we think, a real good show, and we want more folks to check us out. So not sure how you're listening to us right now, but we appreciate it. We are available about 10 different ways now, I think. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. Remember, it's not iTunes anymore. Make sure you subscribe to the show called Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. We're also on Stitcher, Bullhorn, Player FM, Spotify, and the TuneIn app. And I discovered recently you can also find us on Google Podcasts. We are there. Just type in Philly Press Box or Philly Press Box Radio, and that'll get you to us on Google Podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that other stuff. Maybe we can even get a MySpace page going. Remember MySpace, Bill? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> We're not going to get hey, a MySpace and, uh, page. No. And, and uh, for any new listeners, this is our show number 276. So uh, you can go into our library that we have on our website, phillypressboxradio.com. You can look back uh, at all the shows that we've ever done. If you see a special guest you like, I actually shared a, a show chat with a, a Facebook person the other day that was a huge Judy Arnold fan. <laughs> and, uh Yeah. Yeah, it I was, believe uh, it. it was attached to the well. It was attached to the article about the guy, the Zamboni driver playing goalie. Yes, and I said, did anybody ever have one of the moments they'd like to have? And this young or this lady, I don't know, young or whatever, but said that she wanted to be in roller derby, and Judy Arnold was her her favorite. I said, well, listen to this, and uh, <laughs> so I sent her the link to the show, and uh, and I'm assuming she listened to it. So you can go back and check them all out, and uh, do it through phillypressboxradio.com. Or you can do it through blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio. And let me just say this. We we had Judy on twice, by the way. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, 
the one visit by Judy Arnold remains our most listened to show ever. Judy still has a lot of fans. She's still alive and well. I'm friends with her on Facebook. We exchange messages every once in a while. So, yeah, Judy Arnold, we've had her on twice. Great lady. Yep, absolutely. So with that, we said we were going to talk Sixers with Fred Hugo. Fred is with us. Welcome back, Fred. Tell us what's going on. Hey, Fred. I, I, I'm, I want to get a my, bring MySpace back. I'm with you guys on MySpace. Oh, <laughs> uh, the MySpace. You had your own theme song. Yeah. Every channel, you, had your, you get your own song, your own background. You privatized it. Let's do it, Fred. There you go. It was awesome. And, you know, hey, Fred, we haven't, we haven't done this in a while. We haven't played this little tune, and I think we need to hear it again, okay? Now we can continue. Well, hey, Fred, as I mentioned leading into this, the Sixers have won five out of six. They've lost Ben Simmons for two weeks minimum. Uh, how, how do you see this affecting this team? And, and more importantly, the continuity moving forward into the playoffs, which they lacked last year. I It's definitely very, very impactful for this team. Um, ben Simmons on both ends of the floor is just, just such a tremendous talent. He was excelling. He was beginning to drive to the rim a lot more, getting to the free throw line and knock down free throws. So that that kind of stinks to have that, you know, hold it. He he's probably in, going to be in the running for defensive player of the year as well. So any if you're going to lose Ben Simmons, that that's not good. Um, it sounds like even though they're saying two weeks, they're going to reevaluate in two weeks. Uh, I don't think. I think it's going to be a little bit longer. So me too. Um, it's certainly going to impact the entire offense. In a, in a way that is going to be, you know, shouldered, I mean, focused on Joel Embiid. And in my opinion, it should be that way with Simmons on the floor anyway. So it should be more of a half-court style, get the ball to Embiid in the post, and, you know, let him do his thing, and then or fine, kick it out. More of an inside-out um, offense as opposed to outside-in, which they often run with Simmons trying to drive to the rack and then having, you know, well, they call them shooters. They're not shooters. People standing around a three-point line, <laughs> and and then that that's that's another style. So it'll just be different. It it'll probably help Al Horford because he's not going to have to sit out at the three-point line, and he's going to have to go down in the post as well. We'll see. the The opponents aren't, you know, at the top of the echelon of the league. I know we got the Lakers and the Clippers coming up, but after that, we get a little bit of a break. So they should be able to. I think coasting, not coast is the wrong word, but get into the playoffs and still be in that four, five, possibly three seed area. It's just, will we have Ben Simmons for the playoffs? Because that, that's a big factor. Yeah, well, and they well, just a, a, they just added two new guys to the mix in Alex Burks and Glenn Robinson the third. And we thought these next few weeks would give Brown a chance to get the team ready for the playoffs, figure out the best rotation, who plays together the best, et cetera. Then, of course, the Ben injury happens, messes everything up. And as you said, he's probably going to be out at least three weeks. And you know, then they have to start anew when he does come back. But that's the deal. We move on. Hey, Fred, I, I want to ask you, has Matisse Thibel hit the dreaded rookie wall, you think? Uh, I don't know if it's a wall or just how he's been playing with, with teams catching up to the his style anyway. He's very aggressive. He hops a lot. You often see Brett yelling at him, stop, like stop jumping, you know what I mean? So there, there's times he's played well. I think he's just on one of them down skids. There's times he's played well. There's other times early in the year that he comes in and he has 3,005 minutes. <laughs> it's like, what can we do? If you have 3,005 minutes, you got to be pulled out of the game. So 
maybe we got a little too excited about him a few months ago, and uh, we'll, we'll just see what happens. I wouldn't call it a rookie wall. I, I could see him definitely coming out in a few games and being at that level again. I just think he's a little erratic and just being a regular rookie. Hey, Ted, I mentioned earlier, uh, or you mentioned actually, that uh, I had posted about the nonchalant regular season. It, it certainly feels that way to me. And, you know, when you look at and you see that they've won five out of six, you think, how, how has that happened? They just, this, it almost feels like they're going through the motions. And it's just not a comfortable feeling for me thinking going into the playoffs with a team that, uh, you know, right now they're, what, 14 games out of first place. Um, this isn't where I want my team to be going into the playoffs. No, of course not. The, the good news is they're right on the heels of Miami, and I do think they're going to catch and pass Miami. So they would be in the fourth spot, which means they'd have the home court advantage for round one against either Miami or Indiana, whoever that would be. Um, it's really important to do that, but, boy, I, I don't know. It's going to be another year where we're wondering, can they get past the second round, assuming they even you know get past the first round? Um so I don't know. And, you know, we mentioned Al Horford. I don't know what's going to happen there. He's still having trouble fitting in. Maybe it will be better, as Fred said, you know, now that uh, Simmons is out, actually, he can, uh, you know, get inside a little more. Uh, spacing is always an issue with this team. So I don't know. Fred, what do you think? Is there any way, even assuming good health, that they can win two playoff series? I think they certainly can. You see the potential when it's a big game that, that they, they step up and they do play. You know what I mean? They've their record, they've beaten the top 10 teams in the league by double digits, yeah. each one of them at some point in the season. Now, they've also lost as well. You know, a couple, they had a bad game against the Raptors where Embiid had zero points. And then, you know, that one that nationally te- – well, but they both were nationally televised. But the first – the second Bucks game of the year where they, they got beat with Simmons and then the other night, you know, it was kind of – Embiid got in foul trouble early in that third quarter when it was a six-points game. Once he got pulled, they ran away with it. So – you know, I think they definitely have the potential. You see the Clippers games. You see the other games. They definitely have it. It's to what Bill's saying, you know, what's going on? Why is there this this period of time where they kind of go through the motions as if they've, you know, LeBron teams have done it. There's plenty of other teams that have done it, but they've already won titles. You know, I mean, we haven't won anything yet. So it's it's kind of annoying. Even the other night, the Hawks, you know, they're up so many points and then they blow they go the Hawks go on a 40 to 20 run or whatever it was and make it a game and then Embiid steps it up in the fourth quarter and has the dominant quarter and they win but it's like that wasn't even necessary they they stop doing what they're doing they lose they get in these lapses where players just seem to stand around the three-point line and they look uh, as Bill said any not you know not focused not unengaged is the word I guess yeah, and yeah, it happened against the Nets too, where they had, you know, it was the back and forth, and they blew the lead, and then ended up having to come back and win. So, yeah, they're a tough team to figure out. And if he uh, just headed to the locker room with oh, about no. thirty seconds to go in the quarter, oh, <laughs> just oh, so you know, don't tell well, us that. I was just going to say to you, I was just going to say, you know, since the All Star break, you know, thirty nine points, sixteen rebounds, and a win. Follows that up with 17 points, 11 rebounds, and a loss, and then 49 points and 14 rebounds and a win. You know, I think we could take three 30s and be good. We don't need 39 and 49 and the 17 stuck in the middle of a loss. Well, part of that loss was that he got in foul trouble earlier. He was out that whole third quarter, and by the time he mm-hmm. got back in the game, they were down 20. 
Simmons is gone. They're missing everything around them. You know what I mean? And then he, you know, relegated to jumping out at the three point line, which I hate, you know what I mean? So I hear you there, but at the same time they need to, and I, and I put, I hate to point it on Brett, but at some point you have to set, like, you can't just let these players do what like organically figure it out. It's like, and B's whole career, even when Simmons is in, how many times have we seen them lob it to him down low? Like we've just recently seen that the last 10 games, I'll say. Like we didn't see that his whole career. And it's not the offense Brett wants to run, but it's the offense that, that needs to be run. So you're, you're right, though. It, you, you get, but we'll see. We'll see what happens tonight. And, um, you know, if he can get on a tear there where we get 30 a game. Even 25 and 12, if the shooters around him, it, it really makes a difference when the supporting cast, they don't have to shoot the lights out like they did Christmas Day, but they has to at least knock something down. It, you know what I mean? It can't be just all bricks out there. Hey, Fred, before we let you go, uh, we, we were talking earlier about the NFL and the possible 17-game schedule. What do you think of it, where they would play 17 games and uh, you know only three preseason games, and you would have seven teams in each conference making the playoffs, but only one team getting a first-round bye? What's your take? I guess it would be exciting adding a team to get in the playoffs, but I, 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 I don't like – I don't know. I think it's going to water it down. You're, or you may have years, I guess, when – a bunch of 10 and six gets in, but then you're going to also have years where like three, like a, a nine and seven and two, seven and nines get in. And that's going to be bad. So I don't know if it's going to happen either. If you, if you get a chance, look at uh, Aaron Rodgers' Twitter. He actually voted no against it. He put out this whole thing with yeah. why. So we'll see, but I, I don't know if I'd like it. Me neither. I'm not uh, sure. Hey Fred, one last thing before we let you go. Uh, we mentioned this actually before you got on about your, Freddy's five you do after each Sixers game. Give a very quick rundown on how you do that and how people can find that. So, yeah, on on, um, on Facebook and edgeofphilly.com, I do a Freddy's five, my five points of the Sixers game, and then I follow that up with an article that normally I, I post it at night, but I don't share it till the next morning because most people were in bed by the time I would share it. So, every, well, Fred Hugo, you find that at Fred Hugo on Facebook and then edgeofphilly.com as well. All right. Very good, Fred. Well, hey, we appreciate you stopping by. Uh, good luck with your Edge of Philly tonight at 9.30, right? 9.30. All right. Thanks, Fred. Appreciate you. Let's do it again. Thanks, guys. See, See you. All right. Hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave Avoy from Allstate in Westchester, PA. Yep, the same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal and then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoy in Westchester, PA, 610-430-0700 and start planning for your retirement today. Again, the number, 610-430-0700. And hey, Bill, not only did Dr. J celebrate birthday number 70 the other day, so did this guy, the great George Thorogood, and I'll have what George is having. I love that song. Oh, I heard it on the radio the other day. They were celebrating his birthday, I guess, and uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. Make, <laughs> makes you smile. It's kind of a crazy song. Yeah, you know it. 
All right. Hey, we talked about the Flyers, Chet. They are on fire. They've won four in a row. They're playing good hockey in all phases of the game. Uh, they've strengthened themselves a little bit here over the uh, the trade deadline. Kevin Hayes is playing fantastic as the Travis connecting and that whole line. Uh, this team is ready to roll. Man, very impressive. They're really gelling at a good time, of course, improving their playoff positioning. The Eastern Conference is so good this year, as we mentioned, that they're still a long way from clinching a spot, but they're absolutely looking good. The Caps have struggled a bit lately. The Flyers are right on their heels with the Penguins right there in the middle, so three points separating the three teams. As you mentioned, the Penguins, I guess, have two games in hand still. It's all pretty exciting, though. And, by the way, where are those people who last year thought the Flyers were crazy to sign Kevin Hayes? What an addition he's been. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the thing about it is they've won four in a row, uh, three of them in regulation. So, uh, you know, they've only really given up one point in that. And that was the home and home with the, the Blue Jackets. But they've got eight points out of those last four games. And that's awful tough to do in that league. Oh, absolutely. And boy, at home, Carter Hart is sensational. 17 2 and 2 now. I think 1.66 goals against at home. So. You know, he's got to do it on the road. We know that. Flyers coach Elaine Vigneault climbed into a tie with Pat Quinn for the 10th most wins in NHL history, 684. We talked about him earlier, what an addition he has been. And uh, I'm liking this team a lot, Bill. I'm, I'm excited. Well, me too. And, you know, my favorite stat that I like to look at, that plus-minus jet, it's up to plus 25. And uh, there are only two teams, or there's three teams, in the Metropolitan that are higher, 33, the Penguins are the leader, and the Flyers are at 25. So that's going up and up as the goaltenders get better, the offense is getting better, and uh, their 210 goals scored is just second in the Metropolitan between behind the Capitals. Yeah, they're, they're looking real good. And uh, I think we're going to have a little playoff run here. So I think they're going to make the playoffs and win at least a round, and who knows how far they can go. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in, in the NHL, it's all about going in hot, having a hot goaltender, and, and being healthy. It's a battle of attrition through the, uh, through the playoffs, that's for sure. And uh, there's nothing like a hot goaltender. And with that, Chad, i got to ask you, uh, you know, we talked to Proper about this the other week. He seemed like he thought it was still going to be a while out. But uh, they played 56 games, uh, so there's still ways to go. But is it time to go with Carter Hart? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, you you want to have one goalie going into the playoffs. I know in the past couple of years, due to injury or poor performances, some teams have used two or even three goalies. You know, Pittsburgh did it a couple of years back, and uh, I think even St. Louis started with a different goalie last year in the playoffs and then ended up going with the younger guy when they won the Cup. But ideally, you want to have one guy, and ideally, it's got to be Carter Hart because he's going to be here, hopefully, you know, the next 10 or 12 years. And uh, I would say, yeah, but the good thing is you have Brian Elliott backing him up, and if he does struggle, on the road especially, you can go with Elliott and maybe consider doing the, you know, the two-man thing. Um, but I would like to see him give Carter Hart more of a shot at really – taking a hold of the job and playing 75% of the remaining games. Me too. And I, I have to correct myself. I said they played 56 games. I forgot the ties. They played 63 games. So there's only 19 regular season games left. Uh, to me, it's time. You know, it's time yeah. to make that decision and, uh, and, and let it go. And, you know, he, I believe nothing against Elliott because I think he's played real well. 
but it's uh, it's time to make it happen, and Carter Hart's the guy that's going to make it happen if it's going to happen. Yeah, with 19 games, that's less than a quarter of the season. So, you know, ideally you'd have Hart playing maybe 14 or 15 of those 19 games, but we shall see. Hey, speaking of hockey, Bill, the other day was the 40th anniversary of the Team USA Miracle on Ice upset of the Soviet Union, and then, of course, the gold medal win a couple of days after that. What do you remember about that weekend? Oh, what, what, I, well, obviously it wasn't on live. Right. But uh, it leaked out. It leaked out that, uh, you know, that the, the U.S. had won. And I happened to be 21 years old at the time, Chet. So me and my buddies, we went to a local establishment to watch it on Friday night. And I can still remember us all sitting around like crazy 21-year-olds thinking, uh, you know, we need to go to Lake Placid. And... <laughs> Fortunately, cooler heads prevailed, and we didn't do that. Uh, but I remember watching it on Sunday morning because it was live when they won the gold medal, and uh, they were behind after the second period of that game as well. And uh, it, it looked like it might all go for naught, but it was great. I, I remember it well. So was the game earlier in the day on Friday, or did they play it at night? No, it was earlier in the day. I want to say like a three o'clock start. Something yeah, and then like it that. leaked out. Yeah, and this was uh, all before social media and everything, of course. Right, right, and uh, so they ended up. Uh, I want to say it was on at eight o'clock, if I remember right. Yeah, something like that. But uh, yeah, and uh, it, it leaked. It wasn't supposed to, but it but it did. And uh, but yeah, and and, and the, the game on Sunday was early, I believe. But, yes. Uh, I want to say it was a like at a ten or eleven o'clock. Yeah, and I think they had that on live, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, and okay. Absolutely. And Friday night, and PJ may be listening. My old buddy PJ, his wife, who he's still with, Marianne, was graduating that day, I guess, from nursing school or that week, and they had a party for her in beautiful Pottsville, Pennsylvania. So uh, PJ and a couple other friends of mine were at this establishment in Pottsville. And I believe the game was on there. And so we all ended up, you know, kind of watching that on the TV there. And I don't think we had heard it leak out that they had won. So it was pretty darn exciting. And then, of course, we were all, you know, making our plans for Sunday to be sure to watch it, the gold medal game. And boy, what if they would have lost the gold medal game? That would have really stunk. Boy, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have had a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> That's but no, sure. great, great. And you know, one little tidbit of trivia yet for that is uh they tied swedes in the first round of that tournament and uh two to two and they were lucky to get into the gold medal bracket but the goaltender for the swedes was one kelly limber oh that's right yes how about that how about that hey, that's yep. good trivia yep. on your part there well, hey Jen, we got something else we got to cover real quick what about the fanatic uh that whole deal you like the new look. It's kind of cheesy to me, uh, but what do you think? It's a little cheesy, but, you know, to me it doesn't really matter. I mean, we love the fanatic. He's been there 42, 43 years now or whatever. And then there's the whole lawsuit thing where they had to make some changes and the designers are still not real happy, I guess, with the changes saying they're you know too subtle, they're not enough. So I don't know what's going to happen with all that. But as far as the look itself – I gotta be honest. I don't really care. I mean, he's still the fanatic. He's still gonna do his thing. The looks a little silly, but it's probably more 
even more kid-friendly than it was previously. Um, it looks like he shed a couple of pounds. The nose is a little smaller, and yeah, he's got the, uh, the little blue tail and the blue eyebrows, but I don't care, Bill. It's not, not a big deal to me. Well, you know one thing that, that stuck out to me? I mean, you mentioned a bunch of them, but the thing that stuck out to me that the original Fanatic did not have was hands. Was hands. Yeah. This Fanatic has hands. So, no way. Over over the last few years, there weren't hands? What was it, just like a mitt? Yeah, like a mitten. Huh. It was a mitten, and now now it's uh, like a glove. I did not notice that part of it. How about that? A Fanatic would not have hands, right? Well, you know, I don't know how they grow these things in the Galapagos Islands, so I'm not sure. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, let's jump over. We got to talk about football. Talk about this uh, schedule situation. Um, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I'm not big on the whole on the whole playoff situation with the seven teams. Um, one team having a bye. I am, like I said, I'm happy that they're not going to put us through the misery of more uh, preseason games. Yeah, that's the good part. Uh, I'm still not sure because they haven't said, I mean, even if it goes through, they haven't said how they're going to do the 17-game thing. Um, You know, Obviously, that would be nine home games and eight away games for a particular team or vice versa. And I guess you switch that every year. But in the years when you have nine home games, you know, if you're competing for a playoff spot with somebody either in your division or for a wild card spot from another division, the team that has the nine home games is going to have kind of an edge that year against the team that only has eight home games. So they have to clarify that. I would assume it's going to switch from year to year, like I said. I don't know. Um, as Fred said, it's going to create more excitement. Yeah, it's a little more watered down. I don't hate the idea, but I don't love it either. I mean, I think we all like the idea of, you know, our team having a better shot at making the playoffs. But, yeah, if you're going in there at 7-9, and nine, and you might see that a little more often now, it's kind of watered down. Well, yeah, and I'll tell you what, that's not the word I thought of, but that, that is the perfect word to, for me. It's watered down. Putting more teams in the playoffs is, is just a ploy. Uh, make them play it out the way it is now. I think it's fantastic. It's great for TV. And I'm sure at the end of the day, this is just about more money and another week of TV, you know, TV games. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not for it. I'm not really for it. I, I'll say this: I like it better than what baseball was talking about doing, adding another two wild card teams. I think that would be awful. This I could live with, oh, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I don't care if it doesn't happen either. Yeah, well, I'm sure there'll be plenty more to talk about once we find out if it goes through or not and how it's going to work, but. Uh, on the surface, I, I am not in favor. I'll go on the record with that. I got you. All right. Well, hey, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia for all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 to 21. Pretty good odds. Check out the Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Razroom. That's right. PPCC 118 Razroom on Facebook. Yeah. And, and Chet, I do have to tell you uh, this weekend, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, I will be at the King of Prussia um, Philly show up there at the uh, Valley Forge Convention Center. Anybody going by, certainly stop and see us. I'll be with my buddy Chip Brady. Look us up and. Uh, Stop and say hello. All right. Good luck. Have fun. 
All right. Hey, Chad, great guest tonight in Bob Brookover, Fred Hugo. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, we haven't finalized it yet, but uh, it looks like we will be joined by another great baseball guest. We've had him on twice before about this time of year. They call him L.A., the great Larry Anderson, hopefully live. If not, we will pre-tape something earlier in the day. He's working on his schedule. Got some things going on, but hopefully it'll be live. Larry Anderson joining us for a third straight year. Man, I tell you, Chet, I can't wait to talk to L.A. about launch angles. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, God. Don't don't set him <laughs> off, Bill. <laughs> oh, I got I got to ask him about Reese Hoskins leading the league in launch angle. That, that okay. is the top question of the whole, if we don't get any more questions. Uh, but that one, that's the one we got to have. All right. <laughs> all right. Parting shot for you tonight. Bill, the Eagles won the Super Bowl two years ago, and we thought we'd see several more trips to the big game in the years ahead. The last two years brought nine and seven seasons and one playoff victory. Remember when the 76ers went star hunting? We're still hoping to see a team getting beyond the second round. They might not get out of the first round this year. When the Phillies added J.T. Rumuto, Gene Segura, David Robertson, and, oh yeah, Bryce Harper ahead of the 2019 season, we all thought 90-plus wins, instant pennant contenders. They finished 81 and 81. Might not do much better this season. Then there's the orange and black. They changed general managers last season, fired the coach, had an interim coach, then hired a new coach, Elaine Vigneault. Acquired a few new players, too. Nobody thought much about it, though. Yeah, Kevin Hayes got here. He just hit the 20-goal mark last night. We saw young stars Travis Konechny, Ivan Provorov, and Carter Hart continue to improve, and... Voila, they just might be the best pro team in Philadelphia now and closest to being legitimate championship contenders. Yeah, I said that. It's one of the great things about sports, Bill. You just never know. Well, you do never know, and and I'll tell you what, I am glad you're on board, and and you know what? I'm really excited that you started watching hockey this year (laughs) at the beginning of the season so you can watch how this thing has actually grown and taken place. Yeah, and WIP I listen to a lot while I'm at work, and uh, they did their daily poll today, which team was closer or which team had a better shot of winning a championship this year or next, and it was 80% Flyers, 20% Sixers. So there you go. Wow. Wow. Who would have thought? And, you know, somewhere along the line, you got to wonder what Ron Hextall is thinking because he put a good bunch of this uh, this team together and uh, – He's on the outs, and somebody else is, is certainly taking the reins and making it happen. Yes, indeed. Last thing, Bill, before you wrap it up, uh, I didn't watch the boxing match last week, but I love the name Tyson Fury, the uh, the guy who won. And I don't know if you know this, but his real name is Bernard Schwartz. I'm kidding. That's not true. That's not true. That, that was Tony Curtis, by the way. Uh, yeah, Tyson Fury, that is a great name for a boxer. I did not watch the uh, boxing match either, but I understood it was a bit of a dog. <laughs> yeah, oh well. I think it's on Showtime this weekend. I'll try to catch it. Wrap it up, Bill. All right. All right. Well, we've reached the top of the hour, so we have to wrap it up. So let's thank tonight's special guest, Bob Brookover, Fred Hugo. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's Like Your Age.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio. Next Wednesday, March the 4th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, and on a whole bunch of other apps that, Chad, I'm not going to run through them all again since you already did it. So with that, let's just say, high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Closing time. You don't-
to go home, but you can't stay. 